I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hi there, I am Brian, and welcome to Lead with Impact. We have two guests with us for today's episode. We have authors Jennifer Rack and Michael Voss. Jennifer and Michael are co-authors of the new book, Operation Cluster Puck, which is a business book that tells a great story, is really humorous, and also has some valuable business lessons. I read this book, I really enjoyed it, and so I was really excited when I knew I would get the chance to speak to Jennifer and Michael. Jennifer and Michael both come from a corporate background, as I think you will hear, and they were inspired to turn themselves into authors. So I can't wait to hear their story and talk a little bit about the book. Let's meet Jennifer and Michael. And we are fortunate today to be joined by Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, co-authors of the new book, Operation Clusterpuck. Thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer and Michael. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. I'm happy to have you on because I had a chance to read your book and I really enjoyed it. Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about your latest book and what they should expect when they go out and pick up a copy. Sure, I'd be happy to. So Operation Cluster Puck is the second in a series of uh, BS Incorporated was the first. And uh, BS Incorporated and Operation Cluster Puck are both the continuing story of a large Midwestern company that uh, grew too big too fast and tends to completely spiral out of control every chance they get. And so we take you behind the scenes to a group of middle managers who are really the heroes in our novels. Um, they're the ones who realize they're the only ones who can save this big company from itself. Um, and uh, and Operation Cluster Puck, um, our latest, is an ill-fated expansion that the company takes into Canada, which they think will be easy, and it turns out to be anything but. Why did you write the book? Well, Jennifer and I have both been communication professionals for our entire careers. Um, we've worked a number of communications-related jobs, from marketing communications, public relations, internal communications, etc. And we crossed paths at uh, Best Buy's headquarters, where together we ran the company's internal communications department for 12 years. And uh, over the course of our careers there, we, um, you know, attended a, a, a number of sort of painful, soul-sucking meetings, none more so than one afternoon um, when we couldn't take it anymore. So we made an excuse to leave. We uh, snuck off and started having cocktails on a nearby bar patio and we realized that we both shared the same long-term dream of one day writing a book. And we started swapping all the stories of absurdity that we'd experienced in our careers. And we pinky swore that uh, this wouldn't be just a happy hour conversation that after we got home and sobered up, we would actually start the process of writing a book. And that's what we did. So did you both stay at Best Buy after that? Did you keep working and writing the book on the side? How did that work? 
We did. So um, it wasn't easy, but because um, we had, you know, these were big jobs we had at this big company with uh, 170,000 employees across the world. And uh, we were in charge of informing and inspiring all of them. But uh, we, we did stay at Best Buy for a few years after that while we figured out how to write a novel and, um, and then, uh, you know, worked our way out of those jobs so that we could pursue getting the book published. Um, but, you know, as, as we say that we, we really wrote that first book on flights, nights and weekends, um, which was the only time we had to kind of chip away at this, at this story we had in us at the time. I thoroughly enjoyed the book, as I said before, and I come from a little bit of a similar path. I lived in the corporate world for many years before going out as a consultant. And reading this book did two things to me. It made me miss my old relationships at work, and it also made me remember why I left. (laughs) (laughs) So it sort of left me with mixed emotions on both sides of it. But I thought it painted a really realistic picture of what it's sort of like to work in that environment in 2019. Well, thank you for that, especially thank you for pointing out the relationships part of it, because when we set out to write the book, we didn't want to write some sort of, you know, tell all and, and sort of criticize and burn down the corporate culture, because the truth is you you build some lifelong friendships and lifelong relationships. Uh, you spend a great deal of time with people in the workplace. And uh, Jennifer and I experienced that. We have people that we worked with 20, 25 years ago that we still stay in touch with. We still get together over drinks occasionally. And so that was a big part of it. We weren't trying to make the corporate life seem bad, but we wanted those who are in it or who have worked in it to to see themselves in it, see their relationships, see the struggles that they had with the bureaucracy and the, and the poor leadership and things like that. And, it, and just like life, it's not all good and not all bad. And we wanted to shine a light on the great stuff and uh, unfortunately uh, demonstrate some of the poor things that happen as well. I'd like to follow up on that because I was trying to think of the best way to define the book. I've read a lot of business fable books and they tend to be sort of shorter and they tell these sort of fictional outrageous stories sometimes. And I've read, of course, a lot of business strategy books. And to me, this sort of fell somewhere in the middle. How would you guys describe it? I think that's a great way to describe it. Um, We might steal that for our marketing copy. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, you know, we have been asked many times why we didn't write a nonfiction book. And, um, and nothing against nonfiction books, you know, the, the ones that teach business strategy and thought leadership are, are brilliant and they're top sellers for a reason. Um, we are firm believers in, in the art of storytelling, um, probably just through the careers that we've had. I mean, we, we are corporate storytellers that, that is our job. And, um, and, and we just saw the value in, in telling the story of good and bad leadership and forming good relationships and taking apart a corporate culture as we, we saw the value in telling that through, through a semi fictional tale. We said that we thought it would just be more engaging for the audience. And also, I, I don't think there's enough business books on the market that make people laugh. <laughs> we, we wanted this to be entertaining. We wanted this to be something that you know, you're, you're on your way to a conference that the company's sending you to and you're sitting in business class and we wanted you to be able to pull out a good book and feel a sense of camaraderie and you cringe a little bit and you laugh out loud. So that really is what we set out to do. And what message would you like people to take away when they get done reading this book? I think the 
first message that we always talk about with our readers is you're not alone. <laughs> Whatever you're going through, uh, as we said, the good, the bad, or the ugly, um, people uh, all around the country and all around the world are going through similar circumstances. So as Jennifer said, uh, a little bit of camaraderie there in reading this book and understanding that a lot of people go through similar challenges and uh, similar things in the corporate workplace. And I don't know, Jennifer, if you have one to add. Yeah, I think, you know, specifically with Operation Clusterpuck, we, we really wanted to get the message across. I mean, again, it's 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 a funny book, but it's it's also a serious theme that you really are the, the captain of your own ship when it comes to your career. And our main characters, Will and Anna, um, make some good, hard uh, career decisions in, in this book and take a good, hard look at how they have gotten to the, the points that they are in their careers. And there's a point where, you know, Will says if you let a company make its make a decision for you about your career versus your home life or your your happiness. your happiness right um the company will always choose itself that that's what they're that's what they are designed to do they companies aren't designed to give you a fulfilling life you have to get that for yourself and we are big believers um why we walked away from our corporate jobs as well is is you have to make a decision in your own life um based on what is going to make you happy. And that doesn't mean necessarily walking away from your corporate job, but certainly working for companies and people that make you proud and fulfilled. I love that. And I'm just thinking as you talk, I agree 100% that it's not the company's job to give you a great life outside of work. But on the other hand, don't you think that's an advantage if they can at least contribute to it or not make everything else quite so miserable? Without a doubt. And, and there are there are great companies out there and, and there are a lot of um, good companies that are learning how to become great. And you see them um, adding, you know, more flexibility and more, the more uh, types of benefits that employees are seeking and the right types of advancement opportunities and employee resource groups. And, and I think the business culture has come a long way and, and it's not universal. Of course, there are still um, bad companies and bad leaders, but I see examples every day in the business pages and and uh, in various news sources of companies trying to do a better job of helping you have a life outside of work or at least providing that ability for you to have the life outside of work. And of course, we've all experienced or have heard the horror stories of those who don't. And I think those companies that have a better um, employee friendly culture are going to be more successful in the long run. And I don't know how much you got a, had a chance to look up what I do, and the reason I started this podcast, but I'm a consultant focusing on workplace culture. So it warms my heart to hear you say that, uh, because I always talk about the fact that it, a it's the right thing to do, simply, right. and b Absolutely. it's a and b it's a competitive advantage because if you can embrace that and make yourself the best place to work while your competitors aren't, it just drives me crazy sometimes why everyone isn't doing it. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, Mike and I have both worked for various companies that do that pretty well and and also, you know, make cuts and expense decisions at the um, at the expense of their employees, frankly. And, you know, we have a couple of examples of that in Operation Cluster Puck when um, a new leader takes the helm of the company and starts to slowly erode the culture of, of business solutions or our, our fictional company and 
you know, you have to take a look. We're firm believers that you have to take a look at what's important to your employees. And it it may not be everybody gets to work from home or everybody gets a flexible work schedule. Um, but it may be that, um, that, you know, we work for a company where the employee discount was really important. It was a retailer. Um, and the employee discount was very important to employees and the company had made the decision to cut it to save expenses. And, and, you know, as a leader, as leadership of a company, you have to look at that entire total package benefit of benefits that you give your employees and you, you, you can't, you know, you have to preserve what's precious about the culture of your company. And I think, um, I think a lot of companies struggle with that. How do you help people with your company rock.voss? So what we try to do, Brian is, is take the expertise that we've learned, um, over the course of our careers at all of the companies we worked at, but also at Best Buy, which was a very big and leading edge company uh, while we were there, and I would say still is today. And we try and take that and and help other companies do a better job of connecting with their employees. And again, as internal communications consultants, we we feel like we have a responsibility to help drive employee engagement. Certainly there's a lot more to it than just the communications aspect, but we, we try to help uh, companies and leaders do a better job of listening as part of their communication package, not just speaking to or communicating to their employees, but speaking with them and doing a good job of listening and, and hearing their concerns. And it's amazing what a difference that can make. Even if you can't take an employee's suggestion and implement it, at least they will feel heard. And at least they know that you're listening and that you're paying attention and they'll continue to bring things forward. So that's one of the big things that we try to push for in our consulting agency right now is helping companies do a better job of listening because that's we saw the power and the success of that when we were able to do it at Best Buy. So I'd like to hop back to the book for a moment because I have a couple of follow-up questions. You spoke, sure. a li- you spoke a little bit about working from home, and I noticed when I was reading it that the subject of working remotely came up pretty prominently in the book and made me think of recent headlines from companies like IBM and Yahoo pulling back on that benefit. And I just wonder if that was part of your inspiration to include that. Right. It's certainly, you know, ripped from today's headlines, as they say, um, because I know companies struggle with that as they should. I mean, like I said, not everyone can probably work remotely. Not, not all, um, not everyone, um, can, can have flexible work schedules and, and work when they wish. Um, but the companies who have figured out how to do that and offer that as a benefit for the employees where that makes sense, um, do, do quite well at that. But you're right. There are companies definitely pulling back on that. And, um, we have both, both experienced that in our careers as well. Um, a company who, um, uh, had very flexible work uh, schedules and in fact, you know, called it a, a results oriented work environment where, you know, it wasn't about how many hours you put in, but it was about the results that you you gained while you were working where, whenever that was and very progressive. Um, and the company pulled back on that and they pulled back hard, um, it cut the program and kind of went to, as, as we say, we say in the book, a, a, a butts in chairs, um, more in, of an environment. And that's quite the pendulum shift for employees. And, and again, I know companies, it's a challenge for companies to figure out the right balance, but I don't think it's an all or nothing game. And you had a character in the book, Levi, was it, who was really impacted by that? 
Yeah. So Levi's uh, wife had an illness that made her unable to drive and he had um, young kids who were involved in activities. And, and again, that was one of those examples, because if you work in the in the corporate environment, you, you meet all kinds of people and everyone has, you know, a different life story, a different backstory outside of work. And so we wanted to to shine a light on how those kinds of things can impact um, people who, who really already struggle to work a traditional work schedule. And, and I think if it were up to me to help design these kinds of programs, I think it's really about communication and accountability. You can offer flexibility as long as there is accountability for the work to be done and there is accountability to you to stay in regular communication and make sure your teammates and your boss are aware of what you're working on and when you'll have it done and those kinds of things. I think the companies that have pulled back too hard probably rolled it out without enough uh, parameters and enough accountability built into the flexibility they first offered. I noticed also in the book that you focused a lot on storytelling from the vantage point of middle managers. Many times we write, read books like this, from they are from the standpoint of a CEO or a C-suite person. Is there a reason you chose to feature middle managers in your book? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so our first book, in fact, was was dedicated to um, what who we call the overworked and the underappreciated. So it's it's the employees who you know arrive early to turn out turn on the lights. They're the last car out of the lot. Um, they're the utility players in the uh, in the corporate environment. And oftentimes, in our experience, it's been the middle managers. It's it's the people who who save their companies in these tiny, countless ways over and over again every day. And, um, and so we really wanted to tell their story. Um, you know, lots, lots of books about leadership and those are great or told from the vantage point, like you said, of leadership, but you know, we, we wanted to put readers in the spot of a young manager having to lay off an employee for the first time and what that feels like from a middle manager perspective. We, we wanted to put people in the shoes of, of somebody who is is new to a company and has um, you know fairly new to the role you know has gotten a promotion for the first time and is struggling with you know managing up as well as managing down and I, I think it's just a really inter- interesting vantage point um, from kind of the the everyday struggles that a middle manager goes you know has and and for us it was a it was a completely selfish decision too because we were middle managers for a long time and thought you know what, I, I'd like to read my story here. So, um, so yeah, that was definitely the reason. And it's so powerful because there is a lot of impact that comes from that, that position. No matter who your CEO is or how great they are, people's workplace experience is going to be determined to a large point by the person that manages them. So... I think that it's fantastic to focus on that because they are having a cumulative effect throughout the company that is massive and there's great lessons in there for them. I completely agree. And and as Jennifer said, uh, it really comes from personal experience. And I, I felt that a great deal in terms of I ran a pretty large team and on a, a fairly regular basis, pretty much annually, we would have to reduce the size of our staff and we would have to lay people off. And I had to stand in front of 20 to 30 people and explain to them why we were letting three or four of their colleagues and friends go on, on any given day. 
And so I'm, you know, I'm, I want to have a good experience for them and I want them to stay engaged and to trust me and believe me. But at the same time, I have to deliver the company line on why we have to reduce costs. And I don't think it's, it's a right or wrong decision, but I think those are the kinds of struggles that, that people managers have every day. You have to represent the leadership of the company, but you have to be there for your employees as well. And unfortunately, too often, they're asked to do that with little guidance and training. I couldn't agree with you more. And we, we see that a lot in communications. And, and that's why you hire rock.boss. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's true. And it, it's, you know, there's a, there is an emotional impact to those people managers as well as, you know, being armed with the right communication and the empathy um, that you need uh, to be able to, like Mike said, connect with your employees and, and, and also um, to, to retain the trust with your employees in a very genuine way, um, but also to convey the company strategy. I know that sounds cold, but you know there there are reasons companies do what they do, and and you have to be able to communicate that as well. It's a um, it's a heck of a position to put a people manager in, frankly, and um, and it's a shame when they don't have the training or the preparation to be able to do that. And I'll I'll just a quick story, and I'll be totally honest. Um, because we we drew this um, out for the first book in BS Incorporated. Um, the first time when I was a young manager, the first time I had to um, lay off an employee, I was prepped. I read the script. I had my communication in front of me. I was all set to go. And I burst into tears and I could not get a word out. And this, I'm sitting in the moment and this poor employee who is losing her job is the one who ends up comforting me through the process. And, um, and I, I mean, I can't believe... I, I, would find it hard to believe that I'm the only manager who ever had to go through that. And again, that's one of those real life stories that inspires what, what we have written, um, to tell that middle manager experience in a, in a, a pretty, um, uh, empathy filled way because we've been through it. That hits home. And I know a lot of people have been through that and it's painful. So, I'm glad you're out there helping them. And I think even reading this book is going to be helpful for people to sort of at least wrap their arms around the types of situations that others are facing, like you said. Thank you. I want to ask you a little bit about the mechanics of it, because I'm just curious how two people cooperate to write a novel <laughs> that is cohesive. I've always wondered that when co-authors work on uh, fiction. How, how does that work? Does one person take one chapter, the other the next. What's that look like? Um, it's a great question, and it took us quite a while to figure that out. Uh, we spent a lot of time um, really discussing what we wanted the tone and the voice to be, because even though we have two perspectives in the novel, we have Anna, our female protagonist, and we have Will, our male protagonist, we still wanted the book itself to be written in a way that's, that sounds like and reads like one person wrote it. And so, uh, you know, the, the first book took us six years to write in, in part because of our day jobs as well, but we had to, we had to work at it. We had to, um, we switched off, as you said, Jennifer would start a chapter, I would start another chapter, then we flip it over to the other person and they make edits. And we, we ended up getting into a groove where we would point out to each other, you know what, this paragraph or these three pages, this sounds like us. This is what we want this book to sound like. And so we really worked at, at instilling that, I guess, in ourselves and pointing it out to one another. And the, the truth is now that 
as we write, we're really in a good rhythm where each of us has touched every page, every line of copy at least once. Um, and we can tighten up and really add those little flourishes that make it clear that this is what a book from Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss reads like. And I would think that takes some communication skills, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's the thing about professional communicators. Sometimes we have to, you know, turn our learning and teachings and experience right back to ourselves. Um, and, And I'll be honest, I mean, as anybody in your listening audience who has, you know, co leaders or they are, you know, business partners know, um, sometimes you agree on things and sometimes you violently disagree, (laughs) but that's sometimes where the best stuff comes from because you come from such passion, but different perspectives and you end up building on each other and finding something that neither one of you would have come up with on your own. So yes, it takes a great deal of communication. And like, I think with any kind of corporate project or whether you're writing a novel it's it's a lot of planning it's a lot of strategy it's agreeing on the strategy and then how you're going to execute it and so we we definitely took a page from our corporate experience on on how to plan this thing so that when it got to the creative part of actually writing it that 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 would be that would be the fun part exactly for a hobby i play in a rock classic rock cover band and awesome I always say the communication there is much harder than anything I had at work because it's so difficult to tell somebody I don't like the way you're playing that or I don't like the way you're singing that. And, <laughs> and nobody likes to go practice for a week and come back and play it and be told it's not good enough. And I just I can picture that same sort of thing co-writing a book with somebody. So my hat's off to you to be able to figure out a way to communicate that where you both work together and build off of each other. Well, thank you. And, you know, like, again, with any business partnership, it takes a lot of trust, too. And, um, and it takes some humility to be able to take that feedback. So yeah, for every time that I got back a page that, you know, had something circled with, well, this could be a lot funnier. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, all right, you know, instead of taking it from a defensive perspective, you take it from a, okay, I guess you see your point, you know, okay, well, let's, let's figure out how to boost this up a little bit. So yeah, trust and humility, two very important qualities. Yeah, that objectivity can be painful sometimes, but it's good for all of us. For sure. So what does the future hold for you? Is there a third book coming down the line? There is a third book coming down the line. We have not uh, put fingers to the keyboard on it yet, but we've, we've uh, again, we're, we're such corporate creatures. We, we hold strategy sessions just as you would in the corporate environment. So we've held a few strategy sessions on book three. Um, we are going to branch out a little bit from the uh, BSI universe and take readers into a, a parallel world um, so still in the business environment, but in a different industry with some different characters. And uh, we plan to uh, start writing uh, with real purpose here this this fall. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to that coming out. And Thank you. Where can people find you online to learn more about you and get the book? Yeah, so um, our book is wherever uh, fine books are sold, the fine retailers out there like Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, The easiest way to get links to everywhere uh, you can find our books is on rockandvossbooks.com. You get links to to every place our book is sold, and there's also a link there to our business website if you want to learn more about what we do for communication strategy and executive communication. Perfect. And if there was one 
message you would give to people that you would like them to take away from all of your work, the books, the Rock.Voss, all of it put together, what would that be? Um, I'll let Jennifer chime in with her opinion too, but I would say definitely take your work seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. I like that. Wow, that's a really good one. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure I can top that, but you know, we we have um, we have certainly um, learned a lot leaving our corporate careers and and pursuing this dream of a book. And um, like we have um, we have told people in the past, you know, people who say you need to follow your dream, and we've said, well, actually, you need to pursue the hell out of it. It's um it's takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of ambition. Um, but when you find yourself at that career crossroads and, and making some choices, um, you really need to make some, some definite choices. Say, you know, don't, don't let things happen to you. Go make them happen for yourself. I love it. Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I learned a lot and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. And that was Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, everyone. I hope you enjoyed their story and got a lot out of their message and the fact that they were able to leave the corporate workplace to carry on something even larger. I loved it and was really inspired by what they do and also their book. I am Brian. I want to thank you again for tuning in for this episode. If you have a chance, and can go out there, subscribe, like, rate, review, download to your heart's content at your favorite podcast store. We appreciate everything you can do for Lead with Impact. More great interviews to come. Also, some more solo episodes coming up. I've got a lot of talk. I've got a lot to talk about. And I know I've been focusing on the interviews a lot lately, but we're going to get back to some talk about leadership, consulting, communication, all those things as well. So I look forward to more episodes coming up in the future. Thanks again. Go out there. Have a great day. Lead with impact. And I will talk to you soon.